Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 135 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Yaremchuk and Coombsy with you. The Jays take two or three from the Tigers, but my boy Cam Lewis was on assignment in Toronto over the last week to check out the new stadium. Coombsy, I got to start there with you. What did you think of the new digs or the upgraded digs? You know, I'll be honest with you. I kind of came into it thinking, I'm not sure if this is going to be that great. I think it's just going to, it might make things more chaotic it might just add more distractions, more bells and whistles. I read this interesting article in The Athletic earlier in the season, maybe like after opening weekend, I think it was, somebody was talking about the experience at Dodger Stadium with the pitch clock and how it just made it so hard to be able to like go out and get a beer or do something because the game was moving quicker. So I thought, oh, you know, like Toronto's added all this new stuff to their stadium, but the game's going to be moving so fast that if you want to go and check anything out, then you're going to miss everything. But it really was the, that really wasn't the case. Pretty much what it is is it now gives you the ability to like wander around and just have things happen in the background as you're watching from different angles. There's so many different non-ticketed areas you can just show up and sit down or stand in. And I'm a big fan myself of standing room seats at ball games because I'm not a huge sitting down guy. I'm a pretty, you know, moving around kind of guy. So you know, the two 500 areas weren't necessarily my jam. They had like the family friendly area where you can see burnt out parents, very happy. Their kids like playing Xbox or some shit. And then the Corona patio, nice little social area. There's music playing. But the coolest by far was down kind of um, in the outfield, like right around where they have those um, new bullpen areas. They have that like Rogers landing thing. You go down and it really feels like you're just, in the outfield it feels like you're right there and i watched the seventh eighth and ninth innings there of the home opener in the um basically just feels like you're in the outfield like you can when the ball goes in the air it truly feels like you know if it's going to be a home run or not. It, it's, it's such a different experience it was it was honestly a blast like the atmosphere was so fun everybody was so charged up um yeah, honestly, it was. I, I I was pleasantly surprised. I was a little skeptical that I, I I thought some of it seemed like kind of some bullshit, but honestly, it was super cool. Yeah, it seemed really really cool. Like I thought it all presented really nicely on TV from like a pure baseball nerd perspective. What do you think of the new like outfield dimensions and the way the fences are kind of like cut at different points and nothing's really like symmetrical or the same? That's yeah, that's it's honestly really cool. It's um I think we saw that perfectly in the first game when Kevin Kiermeyer made that 
catch in the first or second inning or whatever it was off yeah. the ball that just got launched to center field. And it was like, this is perfect. Like, this is why you're changing the outfield wall to look at that. You go back and look at the highlights or look at the photos that were taken of that play, and it's so nice aesthetically. I mean, we've had really cool wall catches at the Rogers Center in the past. Like, you'll think back to, I remember vividly, there's one 2015 Kevin Pillar on Jackie Robinson Day wearing the number 42, climbing up that, like, like climbing up the whole wall and reaching to rob a home run like that's sweet but it wasn't aesthetically appealing like that Kiermaier one where it looks like that real low outfield classic wall it was it, it it just changed the entire dynamic of the stadium it makes it look it looks less you know in the previously it kind of looked like okay this is a baseball team playing in a stadium that isn't necessarily built for baseball it might be built for something else um it completely changed that and made it feel more like a ballpark yeah, I think that's good. And once they finish the stuff they're going to do on kind of the other side of the field, right? Because they're still next winter, they're going to like tilt the seats and do all that shit, right? And like really kind of yeah. gear it up to be a ballpark. It's exciting. And I'm happy that Rogers is not just sitting there being like, ah, if we make the playoffs anyways, we get an extra X amount of people in there and we'll sell it out. I'm happy that they're kind of investing on improving the you know, in-person quality of their product a little bit. It sounds like they've done that. So that's cool. I liked on, uh, again, just watching on TV, I was very jealous of you. Uh, but what did you make of the areas where you can sit right behind the visitor's bullpen? Because we did hear there was an incident where a beer fell in. AJ Hinch kind of had some comments about like, I don't know if this is going to be like a good idea late in the summer when it's hot and people are really boozing. I had heard a million times, and we we both talked about this um, on, on previous episodes, um, it's it's kind of shocking giving the history of Jays fans in big games. Think back to 15 and 16. You know, there was after Texas scores the go-ahead run and then, you know, Bautista's bat flip, everything goes crazy. There's beers being thrown on the in the stands. And then 2016, the wild card game, I think it was that uh, Baltimore Orioles outfielder had a beer thrown at him. And that was a huge controversy. It's kind of stunning that someone greenlit this idea given the past. Because, man, when you're there, you, you, it feels so much closer than any photo you've seen. And you, you see all the photos where you're like literally just damn near like an arm length away from a guy warming up. When you're there, it, it, it's like you're standing right next to the guy. You're just kind of gated off with this little thing. And, I mean, the fans were loving it. Like, people were so excited to go and watch whatever random Detroit Tigers guy throw just watch them do their thing. But that all just kind of adds to the entire thing that I was mentioning before, where when you're walking around, um, especially those newer areas like the 500 and the, um, and the outfield area, it really makes it feel like you're part of the game in a different way. It doesn't feel like you're just locked into a seat watching from a distance. And I understand a lot of people like that. That's like the old school baseball way to do it, get in your seat and, you know, zone in and watch things you can see from there. But with all these different areas, it really makes it feel like you're a part of it. Like you, you're you so close to the guys in the bullpen that it's like you can almost hear what conversation these guys are having. You can you you really feel like you're a part of it. It's it's such a different experience. But that being said, as we know, it 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 really seems like something dumb is going to happen at some point during the season. And I really hope that isn't the case because it will reflect bl- badly on the fan base. And I'm nervous that something's going to change. Like, are they going to cover this up? Are they going to change it again in the offseason? Like, let's hope nothing stupid happens. Yeah, it's kind of uh, one of those things you'd hate for them to be like, oh, now we got to put, like, mesh up in this section or, like, we got to remove the first three rows because Major League Baseball's mad someone, (laughs) like, threw an empty beer can at Garrett Cole last night. Or a full one. 
Yeah, or a full one. Yeah, like that would be really, yeah. really dumb. You'd hope no one's that stupid, but again, the fan base has a bit, of, a bit of a reputation. <laughs> uh, so maybe we can turn that around. Um, I also, you said, you know, coming out of Dodger Stadium, there were some people being like, oh, the pitch clock's making the game too fast in person. Did you get that vibe or did you like the pitch clock in person and the speed of the game? It really does speed things up. It, it really does. Um, I don't know. I'm half and half on this. I've really gone back and forth. When I originally saw it, I was like, oh, that's too bad. Um, you know, I'm I'm a baseball fan. I'm, I'm more than happy to sit there and watch a game that goes on for three and a half, four hours, look at my phone, you know, go and grab a bite. I don't really care. I'm, I, I enjoy walking around the stadium, looking at the shop. So I'm happy if the game is long. But if you want to try and bring someone that's not a hardcore, diehard baseball lover to the game, then having it like this makes it a lot easier because there's consistency to the action. You know when things are going to happen. You can kind of get your brain into a rhythm where you're like, okay, something's going to happen, and then the shit's going to pause for about 15, 20 seconds, and then another thing's going to happen. So you kind of know in your head, like, there isn't, like, jarring lulls where you have one pitcher who's like, okay, I'm going to throw a pitch, and then... 45 seconds later, I throw the next one. And then I throw the next one 20 seconds later, and it's, you know, this yeah. roller coaster ride. And then also the nice thing for Toronto, and I can't speak to any other stadium, like you, you circle back to the Dodger Stadium thing. It's a really tight and congested stadium in there all the time. So it's always hard to get your drink. But Toronto's added all of these new areas to grab stuff. And while it feels really jammed when you're in a social area, like you're up in the patio, Corona area, there's a million people there. You can barely move. But since they've created all these different spots to kind of spread people out, the lines everywhere else never seem that long. I don't think I waited in line to get anything. And, you know, I probably went and grabbed like three or four rounds of drinks during the game. Um, I never felt like I was in line for more than like five minutes. I didn't really miss anything at all. So, and it's also, I, I find it fun having the game just happen around you while you're out and about in the concourse. It's an interesting thing. So, I don't know. I'm really happy with it. I thought it was, I thought it was a blast. Um, also some changes in major league baseball teams allowed to extend alcohol sales, um, into the eighth inning now, I believe, instead of the seventh inning. Um, and I don't know if you saw this, but this is a quote that when I first read it, I thought it was fake, uh, from Phillies reliever, (laughs) Matt Strom. Did you see this? Yeah, it reads like something that came out of The Onion. It's it's a shocking quote. So if you missed it, Matt Strom on the Baseball Isn't Boring podcast was asked about beer sales and alcohol sales being extended another inning. And he said, quote, the reason we stopped selling alcohol in the seventh before was to give our fans time to sober up and drive home safe, correct? So now with a faster-paced game, if the game's going to finish quicker, would we not move the beer sales back to the sixth to give our fans time to sober up and drive home? Instead, we're going to the eighth, and now you're putting our fans and our family at risk driving home with people who have just drank beers 22 minutes ago. Boy, that's a, that's a hell of a quote. That's uh, yeah, You're saying the quiet part out loud there. Um, yeah, if you... it doesn't take only 20 minutes to sober up you can't just stop drinking in the seventh inning and have one hot dog and drive your car i always thought the point of stopping the liquor sales in the seventh was so that shit didn't hit the fan after the game when everyone's leaving together right that's when you're gonna have like someone's got two beers fresh and they chug one and dump the other one on someone's head as they're leaving and that's when you're gonna have guys fighting but i kind of thought that if you go to the ball game and you have three or four beers, even if you stop in the seventh inning, you probably shouldn't operate a motor vehicle after that. Yeah, if you've been boozing for whether it's five innings, six innings, or seven innings, and I mean like drinking, 
do not drive home. I think that's a pretty like standard message to get across the board here. And Matt Strom, I like, yeah, I like what you said. He said the quiet part out loud, like, dude, it was never for people who want to drive home drunk. That's not who we're catering our rules towards at baseball games. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're manipulating the rules of baseball games so that people have more time to sober up after getting lit up for six innings. <laughs> that was a wild one. Uh, all right, let's uh, talk about what we saw on the baseball field over this past week. The Jays take two or three from the Detroit Tigers, and they won the series. So we start with our three up, Coomsey. And number one, you hinted at it. I'm giving the number one nod to Kevin Kiermeyer. He makes that insane catch. He hits a dinger and sprints around the bases about as fast as I've seen someone sprint around the bases when they hit a dinger. This guy is endearing himself to the fan base. After the last series, we talked about this a little bit with our guys from BJ Blue Jays today, um, but he was, you know, the Jays had a video of him on Instagram being excited to come to Canada. This dude, in the matter of like 12 to 15 games, has become a fan favorite, and that catch was just such a great moment as well. Um, he's awesome, man. I'm falling in love with Kevin Kiermeyer for more than just his dashing good looks. Yeah, you 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 really couldn't have scripted a better start for this guy when it comes to joining a new team. Like, you know, you see a lot of other guys come into a new environment and it's a bit of a slow start. Think of even, you know, this year, this Brandon Belt, like his first few series, he, he looks like he can't hit the ball at all. And then he finally kind of comes into his own. We'll touch on that in a minute. But Kevin Kiermeyer has just completely hit the ground running. And it seems like he just... And this sounds corny to say, and I'm not sure if this is as prevalent in baseball as it is in a game like hockey, for example, but he really feels like the, the, the kind of straw that stirs the drink. When he's in the lineup, things just seem to have more energy. He makes those electric plays in the outfield and, you know, it gets everybody excited and fired up, you know. He slaps a single and then rounds first base and goes halfway to second. It gets everybody excited. He really, it really feels like when he said, I want to be the net best number nine hitter in baseball, he's like another leadoff guy. He, he just adds that element to the team, that element of speed, that element of energy that I think kind of affects everyone and brings out the best in the rest of the lineup. I thought it was pretty noticeable in game three, I mean, Matt Chapman having an illness and not playing in the game was the big story, but Kevin Kiermaier also had his day off, and it felt like his presence was really missed in the lineup. Yeah. And I, you, didn't, I, you, won't, you don't necessarily think that. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy's here for his glove, but the bat, too, it brings, it, it, it really adds an element. Yeah, it does. Um, again, the number best number nine hole hitter in baseball. I, I'm going to be clinging to that all season. Love what I saw from Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, number two for our three big things. Let's go with that Springer walk-off and the Jays' tendency to come back in ball games. It's something we've seen this year. And I think there's a glass half full, glass half empty kind of approach to take when your team this early in the year is winning all these games off exciting comebacks. It's kind of like, okay. It's not sustainable to always be coming back in ball games. So, are they a good team that is just struggling to get going early in ball games, or are they just an average team getting lucky and finding ways to pull wins out of their ass right now? I actually tend to think they're a good team who's just struggling a little bit early in ball games, but they're winning games in exciting fashion. George Springer comes through with another clutch hit, as he's been known to do throughout his Jays career. Um, that second game that was exciting in general, and that gets a big up. Yeah, we'd love to see the Jays, you know, beat the wheels off of opponents. You want to see them score all these runs in the first and second and third innings. So it's just low-key, chill, easy wins the whole way. But, you know, that's not really how things work all the time. 
You know, we can also circle back to Kevin Kiermaier in this situation in the bottom of the 10th inning. I mean, you watched the the inning that Detroit had against Jordan Romano there, and it was just a complete clusterfuck. It looked like a handful of guys that had never played baseball before the stuff they were doing. And then Kevin Kiermaier comes up and executes a perfect bunt to move um, uh, the ghost runner over for Springer to just uh, to knock him in. And I mean, how many times in the past have we seen... Um, a situation like this where the Jays have like a guy on second and nobody out. And it's like, okay, this, this, this makes sense to bunt him over to score the one run to win the game. And no one can do it. Not even your like bottom of the lineup role guys, like your cabin BGO, Santiago Espinals. Nobody can lay down a perfect bunt. And I'm not like a bunt, bunt, like a huge bunt guy, but there are situations where, yeah, you should be able to execute this. And Kiermaier does it to perfection and they score the run. Um, I think it shows now that the Jays are probably a little bit more better equipped to win tight ball games. That's probably a glass half full approach, but that's the one that I'm going to take at this point. It feels like they have a bit more of a club gene. They always have. They've always had the ability to come back. 2021, they did a whole bunch of exciting comebacks with huge home runs. Think about those games against Oakland and Boston. Yeah. Uh, last year, it was the same thing too. Think about the opening day against Texas. But this year, it kind of feels like they're playing more small ball to get this stuff done like a more multi-dimensional offense than what we've seen in the past yeah uh and i know some people were making this joke on twitter too but in the charlie montoyo era we would be so pissed whenever they would bunt and now that it's varsho and kiermeyer doing it we're like yeah small ball that's how you win <laughs> baseball games baby um yeah i i remember last year though there were big big stretches where like we were mad about their runners in scoring position average. Like, their risk was mm-hmm. not good. So, again, to see them kind of have that in them this year, at least early on, is good. And, again, that's one of those things that goes and has peaks and valleys throughout a season. But here's to hoping that the valleys aren't as low as maybe they were last year. The Jays coming back. Kevin Kiermaier, both great. Boom. Third up, Chris Bassett has himself a good start and we're pulling a positive out of well the only game that came with a negative result in terms of wins and losses and Bassett unfortunately was tagged with the L but he struck out seven over six and there are some other pitching things to talk about from that series but I was really encouraged with how he looked in that third game of the series it felt like that was kind of more and again it wasn't like this gem of a start but it was solid and he looked reliable and it gave me hope that, hey, this isn't going to be Barrios 2.0. This Bassett guy actually could come as advertised. Yeah, everyone's been really skeptical of the new pitching additions whenever they come in because I think there's the past few years have kind of brought us a track record of very inconsistent veteran starting pitching acquisitions. Like you... You think about like 2020, Hinjin Ryu comes in, huge addition. He was great. And then they also signed Tanner Rourke for the back of the rotation. He was so bad. And then you have like a Gosman, fantastic. Kikuchi, struggling. Jose Barrios, long-term contract, struggling. It's just such a mixed bag. You don't really know what to expect. And then Chris Bassett comes in that first game at St. Louis. And he's using the pitch com, and it's just a complete disaster. He doesn't know what pitches he's throwing. Um, allows four home runs, strikes out nobody. But then in the start against the Angels, things are a bit better. Strikes out five guys, only allows two runs, but he also walks five guys. And then it just seems like in the Detroit game, you know, seven strikeouts, walks three guys, only two earned runs. Now, to be fair, this is the Tigers. They're not very good. But it really felt like he was in more control. It didn't, it didn't seem chaotic like every single pitch he was. Oh, man, like the pitch clock's about to run out. I better just wind up and throw something. That's kind of what it looked like in St. Louis. 
But in Detroit, it looked more like the veteran Chris Bassett, the guy who logs innings, who every single season has an ERA of like 354-ish and, you know, throws quality starts. He goes six innings, gives you a chance to win, isn't dominant, but is completely solid. And that's really what they need. If, if you get a whole bunch of outings like this last one from Bassett, there's runners in the base pads, sure, but he munches innings, gives you a chance to win. No problem there whatsoever. Three ups completed, but there are some honorable mentions. Kevin Gosman struck out 11 in his start. Um, Matt, okay. he had the splitter going in that ball game. It was absolutely nasty. Zach Pop has had an incredible start to this season as well. The guy who was kind of the second piece of that Anthony Bass trade could actually be like a really impactful player for them this year. I'm super excited to see what another Canadian can do out of the Jays' bullpen. And third, Coomsey, it's that Brandon Belt is showing signs of life. Last episode we talked about them maybe having a DFA this guy at some point this year or dreaming of Joey Votto but Brandon Belt had himself a really good series yeah it was nice to see him have that especially on on during the home opener too because when they announced the lineup on Twitter it shows Brandon Belt's the DH batting six and there's a whole bunch of replies being like why is this guy even in the lineup DFA so bad and I mean it's crazy to write the guy off after just a handful of the bats but if we're being totally honest, like he looked really bad in those first few games, like swinging through 92 miles an hour, just looked like very injured and very helpless while batting. But and then, you know, in, um, in the home opener, he picks up three hits, looks comfortable at the plate. And then in the series finale, hits a double too. I mean, this is a veteran batter who's had a significant amount of very good seasons in the major leagues played on some really good teams and was a key contributor came up with a lot of clutch hits for the giants and important games and i mean it it was it was a really weird wild card coming into the season because it's kind of like they made a reasonably significant financial investment it's not like this is some guy coming and playing on a minor league deal league minimum let's see if he can even make the team like no he, he was around to play a specific role in the team bat left you know, in this five or six hole, hit different kinds of pitches that other guys aren't that great at hitting. And, you know, I think it it, it does look like he's turned a corner. He looks a lot more comfortable at the plate now, and that's good to see because this lineup becomes a lot deeper and a lot better if Brandon Belt is even just what he's been for his career. He doesn't have to be, you know, the MVP candidate that he was during the shortened COVID season and the 2021 season after that. He just has to be career average, like 750 OPS, big lefty bat, and that's more than fine for the Jays. Yep, that's a good point. Speaking of kind of lengthening out this lineup, Alejandro Kirk coming to life a little bit. We'll certainly do that as well. He had a really good home opener, hitting the bomb, had another RBI mixed in there as well. Uh, Well, let's get to the down of what we saw in this series against Detroit. In this first one, I can't tell if I'm maybe just making a, a big deal out of nothing, but Alec Manoa gave up three earned over four and a third. Granted, all three were off of one home run, but he also walked five and gave up four hits in total. And this is now kind of the third time in a row, if you go back to the playoffs last year, the season opener, and now the home opener, where it's been a big emotional start, and he doesn't have his best stuff, and the control goes away. He walks a lot of guys. He's young, so I almost don't want to bring up this question because I do think it's something you kind of, some guys just have to learn how to handle themselves in big moments, but like, are you nervous about how Manoa pitches in big pressure-filled spots? 
No, not really. I think I think you get better at that as you go along. He's not going to, you know, get lit up in every single big start he ever has. Think about a guy like David Price, for example. There was years and years and years where there was talk about how he just couldn't get the job done in the playoffs. And it's like, is that actually a thing? Is it actually like, does, is he missing something? Does he get nervous? Or is it just kind of random? Um David Price did wind up settling down later in his career, and he had a huge performance for the Red Sox when they won in 2018. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think Alec Manoa has created such high expectations for himself off the hop by just breaking into the majors after, like, two starts in AAA and being amazing that we just assume, okay, this guy's never going to have a bad start again. And the reality is, is he's in, what, his third full year now yeah. in the big leagues? He's not a veteran by any stretch and our expectations have just gotten so high that we've, we've never seen this guy put up bad starts. So when he does put up a bad start, we're like, <gasps> and I think there was also quite a bit of talk in the off season. Oh, maybe his ERA shouldn't have been that good. His FIP numbers were lower. He, you know, he overachieved a little bit on batted ball luck, blah, 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 kind of the opposite Kevin Gosman. But no, I wouldn't say I'm terribly concerned. I think at this point, you know, the pitch clock's a new thing. Guys are adjusting. I, I'm I'm pretty willing to give most guys the benefit of the doubt, especially when it's a guy like Alec Manoa who's been as good as he has. I think we can give him kind of a month or so to settle into these new situations, the new pitch clock life that 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 this era of baseball brings before we panic at all. Fair. The second down, we have the bats go quiet in game three in total in the final, you know, 19 innings of this series. They only scored five runs, and some of it came with a runner starting on second base. Um, are you worried at all about the bottom third or even almost half of this lineup? Like, it just felt like last year when Gurriel was rolling and Hernandez was rolling, we'd sit here and be like, oh, my God, this is like a seven or eight player deep lineup. And maybe it's just because I'm still getting used to guys like Varsho and things like that. But I don't know. I, it just doesn't feel as dangerous maybe as it did last year. But am I confusing that for just being more complete maybe? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think we've had some really, really, really deep lineups in the past few years. We've had lineups where you look one through nine and eight or maybe all nine guys have the ability to hit 20 home runs in a season. And I don't really feel like that's the case right now. Um, it kind of feels as though the season goes along if the Jays want to make an improvement or push themselves over the top. It might require adding another big bat to the bottom of the lineup. But also, to be fair, like in the third game, Matt Chapman's out. He's been their best hitter thus far. Or maybe Vladdy's been their best hitter. It's hard to say. They've had quite a few guys hitting very well right off the hop. And then, as I said earlier, Kevin Kiermaier wasn't playing either, and he's kind of the straw that gets things going. So eh, the bottom of the lineup's been pretty pretty iffy so far. Whit Merrifield, Santiago Espinal, Cabin Biggio, that collection of, you know, hopefully one of these guys takes off and grabs second base and can hit like a good player. Hasn't really happened yet. You'd really like for one of these guys to heat up, but I think the reality is, is that the Jays have a more diversified offense this year. They can, you know, smack a single bunt of guy over and hit him in, but I don't think they have the lineup that can score. that can score 10 runs a game, no matter what. I, I, I don't think that's there anymore. They don't have the same, Everyone can hit a bomb. We're going to blow teams up. I, I'm not sure that's really there anymore. But maybe it's just maybe it's just a small sample size bias. I'm sure that 
Espinal and Biggio are not going to have, uh, you know, an OPS of 500 for the entire season, right? Surely they'll, they'll catch fire eventually. Yep, that's fair. Espinal was an all-star last year. Um, but I also <laughs> remember that kind of since Schneider took over, he played a lesser role. So that's something I'm going to be just keeping a bit of an eye on throughout the year. The third down we have is the beer getting thrown. Don't ruin this cool thing, Jays fans. Come on. Yeah, don't be dumb. This is <laughs> you. Uh, it really goes without saying. Drink your beer. Throw it in the recycle bin. Not that hard. Make fun of the opposing pitchers. Say weird things. Go and do your research. Figure out. I don't know where the guy played college. Make some stupid joke about it. But don't throw stuff at the guys and don't say don't say shitty things. Don't yeah. don't be don't be you know. Don't be an saying, asshole. saying the things you're not supposed to say in public. Don't be doing that. Be creative. Be witty. Say things that are a little wacky where a guy hears that and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then they go out and pitch and they're like, what? Why did that guy say you know that? what I mean? Yeah. Uh, all right. We got some other stuff we want to dig into, but first we're going to step aside for a quick break. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, uh, a few other topics to get to before we set up the next series for the Jays. Uh, John Heyman, we are like two and a half weeks into the season, and this dude is already speculating on where Matt Chapman could go next. He wrote a piece today, and this comes on the heels of Ian Happ signing an extension with the Chicago Cubs. Um, He talked about how Matt Chapman is the number one position player on the market. And he listed the Mets and the Yankees, who will both have openings at third base after this season, as potential fits. He also added in the Cubs, Giants, Dodgers, and the incumbent Blue Jays round out the list of the most logical landing spots for Matt Chapman. Um, when you look at the other position players he's listed as top free agents, Teoscar, Hunter Renfro, Harrison Bader, Jock Peterson, Adam Duvall, Reese Hoskins, Cody Bellinger. He even threw Whit Merrifield on that list. It's not a very good free agent class. Matt Chapman is going to be very in demand. I don't even love talking about this, but I think the point I'm bringing up is this is going to be a distraction and a side conversation all year, Coomsey. Yeah, this is uh, this is not going to end all year. This is especially when he's playing like this, right? Yeah. I mean, especially when you have yeah, Matt Chapman's got what like a. 1300 OPS he's hit he has a hit in like half of his at bats 
we had the great defense last year, but the bat wasn't amazing. And now the bat looks amazing. Um, yeah, the idea of Matt Chapman signing with the Yankees fucking sucks. It would make some sense. They haven't really thrown a whole bunch of money at a position player addition. Like, obviously, they threw a whole bag of cash at Aaron Judge to keep him around last offseason. But I think their big, their their most recent huge free agent signing would have been Garrett Cole. Like, they re-signed DJ LeMay. He re-signed Judge, like I said. But Yankees fans have been clamoring for a while for them to pull the trigger on a huge ad. And, yeah, John Heyman's not wrong. Matt Chapman would be a fantastic fit for them. So that would really suck, but I think I think we have to take the Marcus Semyon approach here and just be like, let's let's hope this guy rides his impending free agent season into just a monster performance, and it and the Jays capitalize by you know winning the AL East, making it to the World Series, winning the World Series, whatever it is. Let's just uh, let's take the glass half full approach and be like, okay, the Jays the Jays can capitalize on this guy chasing the bag, even if he winds up leaving. Chapman, interesting. One guy that might play into the mix later this season made his first professional start of the year last night, and that's Ricky Tiedemann. And here's how the first two innings went for Ricky Tiedemann in that game. Strikeout, 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 strikeout. He was electric. (laughs) He ended up facing 11 batters and I think struck out nine of them, Cam, and then gave up two hits in there as well. Um that was something to watch Ricky Tiedemann go out and do that in his first start of the season. This guy, he might be on the Manoa trajectory where it's a very little bit of time in double A, a little bit of time in triple A, and this dude's making a start in like July. Yeah, it already really feels like he's probably too good for triple A. It kind of feels like it. There's not going to be a tremendous amount of, of starts down there. I imagine they would keep him with the Fisher cats until he kind of builds himself up. Because the Bisons have a really deep pitching rotation. They have, you know, a, a, a good amount of quad A pitchers who have major league experience. There's some pretty solid prospects there, too. So, whatever. Um, I, yeah, it, it validates kind of the thought that this guy, just like Alec Manoa two years ago, could come up midseason at some point and affect the team. I don't know if it'll be as a starter because he's not as old as Manoa was at that time. Manoa, of course, you know, came out of college and had more experience actually making starts, longer starts than Tiedemann does as a, he's only 20 years old right now. Um, so maybe he doesn't come up and uh, fill the role as a starter, but this looks like the kind of guy who could come up and be a ridiculously good left-handed reliever who can pitch a couple of innings. And we, 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 we've talked about this forever with the Jays because of the Cleveland connection. Who's going to come in and be their Andrew Miller one day? Maybe this is the guy. We've talked about it so many times. Maybe Ricky Tiedemann comes up and he's that ace lefty bullpen weapon that can come out and strike out like four guys. And you would love to see that. That that starting double A man, that 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 got the hype train really rolling. Yeah, it's it's buzzing now for Ricky Tiedemann and we'll see how the Chase handle this throughout the season because I mean they showed with Manoa. They are not going to sit there and let a guy over-ripen for the sake of being like, ah, cautious with your prospects. If he's ready, they will bring him up. And it looks like he might be darn close to ready. And I understand I'm saying that after one start. Yeah, who ah. cares? We're, we're, we're good vibes only. We saw Alec Manoa do it, so we're like, you know what? One good start in double A? Call him up. Call him up. Yep. That's what we're all about. Up next for the Toronto Blue Jays is a three-game set at the Dome against the 13-0 and Tampa Bay Rays. They already have a plus-71 run differential. 
How? How is that? They're winning games on average by like five or six runs. It's nuts. It's insane. I don't know how they're going to beat this Rays team, how they can be the ones to do it. And then I get especially nervous when I look at the starting pitchers for game one and I see Drew Rasmussen (laughs) with an ERA of zero and Jose Barrios with an ERA of 11.17. Not great vibes heading into this game one. No, not at all. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the Rays and be like, oh, yeah, they've played the Tigers, the Nationals, the Athletics, and the Red Sox. But, man, going 13-0 and in any stretch in Major League Baseball, whether it's in April, whether it's in July, whether it's in October, is not an easy thing to do. Think about these huge streaks the Jays have had in the past. Think back to 2015 when they went nuclear. And, you know, you win 13 games in a row. You don't just win 13 games in a row because your opponents were bad. You know, the Jays lost the Tigers yesterday. The Jays lost a game to Kansas City as well. Um, bad teams win games. There's no teams out there that go 0-162. and 162. So mm-hmm. beating anybody this many times in a row was really impressive. And, I mean, it, it sucks from a Jays perspective that last year we had, you know, the Yankees come out with their historically good start. They're like 40-12 and 12 in mid-May, and they pretty much have the division locked up. And now here's Tampa being like, oh, we're even better than that. We're going to have this thing locked up by late April. This is honestly like... A, it's a huge series for the Jays because they're already five games back of the division. If they go and get swept by Tampa, then like they're going to be eight and eight and Tampa's going to be 16 and zero. that's, you know, that's a huge swing to make up. There's a tremendous amount of time. Obviously there's the whole season, but it's, it's not easy to do that at all. So <laughs> this is, this is, this is a huge series early in the year, man. This feels, this feels like a competitive down the stretch division series. And we are like two weeks into the season. Drew Rasmussen has pitched 13 innings this year and has allowed three hits while striking out 15 batters. Um, he hasn't walked anyone yet. It's something. Uh, cool. like, this is going to suck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tomorrow for, uh, in the, or in this series is TBD versus Yusei Kikuchi. TBD for the Rays scares me about as much as a potential Cy Young winner as well because you know they're pulling someone out of their ass to start this game who's going to throw like four scoreless allowing one hit to start things off. It's coming. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have some bullpen day in the second game where six different guys pitch and every single one of them is a name you've never heard in your life and all of them are good. Yeah, It's just the Tampa Bay Rays thing. It's, it's mind-numbing how they keep doing this. I'm I'm sick of it. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to deal with the Tampa Bay Rays anymore. This is. It's aggravating watching them be thirteen and zero. We had to deal with the Yankees doing their historic thing last year, and now I got to watch the Rays do their thing. This is not what I had in mind. McClanahan versus Manoa in the third game on Sunday. So a little ace on ace action there to wrap up what'll be a big series for the Toronto Blue Jays. Listen, the way this Rays team is rolling, if if the Jays win one, I'm probably. I'm probably not going to complain yeah. when we record our podcast on Sunday. I kind of have, I, I know I just sounded pretty gloomy right there, but I have a, I have sort of a strange feeling that a Jose Barrios masterclass that comes out of nowhere and, and, and derails Tampa's streak because the Jays lost yesterday. So they lost their winning streak. And now they're, <laughs> this looks like the most losable game in the series, right? Like, the, the first game against Barrios for Tampa seems like the biggest slam dunk that they have. And it just seems like, you know how things work when it seems like an automatic, that it winds up being the thing that doesn't happen. It kind of feels like Jose Barrios is due for 
one of his amazing starts. You know, I don't, I don't think he's going to figure it out and put up a 3.5 ERA this season, but I think he's going to sprinkle in some really good starts in there, just like he did last year. And I have a feeling that one is coming on Friday against the Rays. Just a feeling. Here's to hoping. I like that optimism. Here's to hoping. I do. Uh, all right. <laughs> That'll, uh, that'll be a wrap on this week's edition of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure, again, you go leave us a review. Leave us five stars if you're listening on Apple. And also, go give a subscribe to our friends at Blue Jays Today on YouTube as well. They're putting out a ton of really, really good content over there. We'll be back after this series against the Rays, hopefully talking about a stunning weekend at Rogers Center. Enjoy it. Best wishes. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.